Welcome to the DC Drop, where we talk all the news in DC movies, TV, and comics. I'm Tom. And I'm Zach. So 2018 is drawing to a close, and Aquaman is crushing it, doing really well at the box office. So let's give some updates on Aquaman to start. We had our review last week. You should probably check that out if you want to hear a, a review. Uh, but the cinema score's in, and the skin, cinema score is A-. Cinema score kind of does a, it's like an exit poll type thing for opening night moviegoers. And it, it gives a grade for them. So A minus is a good grade. It is a good grade. Uh, to give you a, a, an idea, there's from A plus to I think there's F. I don't know if I've ever seen an F. Anything below a C is really rare. Anything below a B is really rare for a big budget movie. But an A minus is really good. You want A minus or better. That's a sign of of good word of mouth. Um, but Wonder Woman is the only DCEU movie with an A. Man of Steel had an A minus. Suicide and Squad, Suicide Squad, and Justice League had B plus, and BVS had a B. So, yeah, that's a pretty good score. <laughs> yeah, pretty good score. And I mean, just anecdotally uh, talking to a couple of my friends who aren't like huge into comic books that have seen Aquaman, they're like, "Man, that was a pretty good movie." So, I think <laughs> it's got it's definitely got appeal for the general audience. Yeah, and we'll get into this in a second, but helped of course by the time of year but it looks like it's going to have really good legs so domestic opening weekend was 68 million 72.7 counting the amazon prime and and another night previews and the second weekend this is what's really impressive so so the 72.7 that's the lowest by far of any dceu movie justice league was the lowest previously Uh, that's not surprising we expected it to be lowest and it probably would have no matter what time of year it came out but it also came out with competition and i think that's a good weekend and also like you said, the good thing about December is there's good, good chance for legs, and there's a 52 million second weekend, very small drop. Yeah, that's a that's a crazy small drop. Like normally, you expect way way bigger of a drop event. So that's that's a really good sign that this is going to keep going for a while and just keep you know not have crazy huge weekends, but enough big weekends like that in a row. You've racked up quite a bit of money. Absolutely, and this time of year, this week between Christmas and New Year's, that is. Great time for box office, and the first week came in at 137 million for seven days, and with this past weekend, it's now at 189 million total. Yeah, again, pretty good numbers. Internationally, it's over 560 million. Over 250 of that is from China alone, as of yesterday. As yesterday, so it's open almost everywhere. There's some smaller markets still to come: Italy on January 1st, and Japan on February 8th. Uh, but it's now at 748 million and rising. That makes it, it has passed Justice League, Man of Steel, and Suicide Squad to be the number three DC movie. Next up is Wonder Woman and then BVS. It is certainly expected to pass those. Uh, the question is just how much. So this, this is likely to be the number one DCEU movie. The question is by how much over the others it, it comes. Yeah, and that that's pretty cool that Aquaman is going to be number one for now. Um, and like we like we said originally when we started getting in the, those numbers from China that you know 1 billion globally is definitely not out of the realm of possibility and that's that's a pretty uh, attainable number right now i think yeah and it's not a huge difference if it's 990 million or 1.01 but let's be honest here a billion sounds cool right exactly it's <laughs> <laughs> billion with a b um so yeah, I, we always talk about whether the box office does good or bad. Everybody's like, "What is, what does Warner Brothers learn from this box office performance when Justice League disappoints? What do they learn from it? With Aquaman doing well, it's got a good cinema score, good, not great cinema score. It's having good legs, like you said. Anecdotally, it seems like word of mouth is good. Uh, critically, it's not getting rave reviews. It is 
slightly better than the man of steel from a critical perspective. It seems like, um, I haven't looked around a, a bunch. Uh, so what does Warner brothers learn from this? Just make fish movies or what? Uh, yeah, make fish movies, make lots of fish. Movies. No, I, I think, I think they, they have listened to some of the critics that have said that, you know, make the movies a little funner maybe. And I think they, they took those to heart perhaps. And they, they, added some fun to this movie but they didn't overdo it which was always my concern that they were going to go like way too far in the other direction and so i think they they've added a little bit of humor but still kept the the balance well with the story and then the other thing is just getting good talent getting a really good director to come in and just letting it be his playground and do basically whatever he or she wants um creatively or at least it seems like that has happened i'm sure there's a lot of discussion behind the scenes but um you know letting James Wan come in and just create these worlds and um, create this big kind of epic story that he wants to make. Um, just giving that creative freedom to the people in charge of the movies, I think has, has paid off pretty well. Yeah. It's tough to see what Warner brothers will learn to it. I think you made some good points there, uh, but we never know how Warner brothers is going to respond. I know I've seen people say, Oh, this means WB should just do solo movies instead of team up since there's their team up movies have been expensive and underperformed. And their solo movies have been the best received critically and arguably financially based on the budget, especially if you count Wonder Woman, uh, to a lesser extent, Man of Steel and Aquaman, of course. Yeah. And I think that that probably comes back to or maybe partially comes back again to like having one person in charge who who has a lot of creative freedom. Maybe that's something that they haven't done a great job of in the team up movies or I don't know. I, yeah it's a hard business it's hard to say what, what yeah you gotta I, do. <laughs> yeah i don't i don't i was trying to kind of set you up there because i don't think it should be oh this means solo movies are doing the best it just happens that solo movies are the best received and so they're they're doing better their their team-up movies have been received negative reviews and everything so it's not surprising that those haven't done well i think you can do well i think aquaman and wonder woman work because they are unique premises that uh unique premises and entertaining movies that people wanted to see i don't think it movies are really complicated but on a basic level i think that's what they had and maybe some of those other films didn't have as much as much as we hate to see it justice league didn't have a a unique premise and mm -hmm. the box off and it also wasn't well received a great movie um and you can say that critically for B bvs and suicide squad suicide squad had a unique premise um and that helped it i think that's what helped it do well financially but Wonder Woman is really the only one that got rave reviews and a unique premise. The first big budget female lead. And I think, you know, some combination of that matters. But I think if you make good movies that are entertaining and people want to see and tell their friends to see, I think that's that's one of the goals. And entertaining can mean fun or it can mean uh, more dramatic and serious like uh, The Dark Knight or something like that. So I think there's a lot of different ways to look at it. But um, yeah, just something we needed to talk about, I guess. Yeah, and they've they've definitely done a really good job with Wonder Woman and, and Aquaman, so um, keep doing that. Uh, next up, principal photography has wrapped up for the sequel to Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman 1984. So Gal Gadot shared that on Instagram, along with a, a long thank you message to the cast and crew, and she shared uh, three behind-the-scenes photos with director Patty Jenkins. She also mentioned that it has been filmed in four very different locations in three different countries. Um, I don't know what those different locations are. One of the behind the scenes is that same mall that we've seen a lot of stuff of. So um, maybe that's just one of the ones that they're okay with sharing or a good chunk of the movie is going to take place there. Yeah. Um, 
this is just a nice thank you. It's cool to see a little behind the scenes, but I don't think it tells us anything other than I wonder if there is a scene in the mall where Diana is just going to be filmed from her midsection up or if she's actually going to be wearing tennis shoes and shorts yeah. with her with, with her Wonder Woman top. I, I don't care either way. I just think it's funny. That's not what you would expect. Uh, I don't know if that's fitting in with fashion in the 80s or if it's uh, something else going on, but I thought that was a funny picture. Maybe she's just doing a lot of running and they wanted to make her feel comfortable and, and maybe they're CGing in the skirt or something. I don't know. I just thought that was funny. Uh, but a nice post and definitely a movie I'm looking forward to. Unfortunately, it's going to be a, a bit of a wait till June 2020. But uh, yeah, principal photography is done. And a couple, a couple DC movies are now moving on to post-production. Yeah, so the next one is uh, Joker. The filming has wrapped on that, according to director Todd Phillips on Instagram. And he also said a, a thank you to the crew, maybe a little less wordy than Gal Gadot, um, but says he's, he's moving on to the editing room uh, now. So the next phase of production has started for Joker, which releases October 4th, 2019. Yeah, so that's surprising. It's going to be here quick. That movie came together quick. Uh, which you can do with smaller movies. And speaking of Joker, it showed up on the most anticipated films of 2019 survey. This was performed by Fandango, shared by USA Today. Fandango did it for USA Today. Of They interviewed a few thousand frequent moviegoers and asked what their most anticipated movies were. Joker came in at number 10 on the list. Uh, Joaquin Phoenix came in as number eight for the most anticipated actor for Joker. And for no, most anticipated new standalone comic book movie, that is a mouthful. And it's crazy that they can make a top five list or whatever. Joker is number two and Shazam is number four. Yeah. And just to clarify, the first two are just movies in general, not just like comic book specific. So that's pretty impressive to get this kind of it's I mean, it's definitely not a tiny like indie film, but it's not a huge big budget film to get that much um, anticipation around it is pretty awesome. Yeah. Most of these, the marketing hasn't really started on any of these films so this is just showing what do most movie viewers looking forward to right now and i'm a little disappointed shazam's not on the list yeah to see and then to see it in the top 10 um i don't think we expect it to be the biggest movie ever i i'm looking forward to it more than joker personally um but i'm i understand why people are looking forward to joker more because it it looks unique and i'm surprised i would have put joaquin phoenix higher for most anticipated actor for joker because i think whether you're looking forward to that movie or not, he's probably going to do something fascinating with the role. Oh yeah, for sure. But yeah, they do they do get mentioned Joker and Shazam in the most anticipated new standalone comic book movie section. Um, so that's good. Uh, and hopefully with more marketing and, and everything, those those two things move up the list. Another trailer for Shazam, hopefully soon, and all, all that, that helps to, to build some buzz. Uh, not really news, but Ava DuVernay, the director of New Gods, shared uh, an image on Twitter and I, I think it's a chance these are some of the main characters in the New Gods film that she is is working on. Uh, the, the picture has Orion, High Father, Mr. Miracle, Big Barda, Light Ray, and Metron. Those are basically everyone you want to know, at least from New Genesis. Metron's not really from New Genesis, but those are the, the good guys. They're not really a team. Like uh, I've seen, I know some people refer to them as like the Justice League or Teen Titans. They're not like a team. New Gods is a, a species. But those are the quote-unquote good good guys uh obviously on the bad guy side you, there's names like dark side desad calabac steppenwolf all of those but if these are the good guys that are focused on i there's not really that's a great choice if if that's who she's going to focus on maybe throwing forager there but that is a cool um cool team and i would want to see all the all of those characters i think are 
required uh, in a New Gods film, from my perspective. Yeah, none of those characters are surprises that would. And again, this isn't any. This is just a picture that she posted on Twitter, so it's not like confirmation or anything. But yeah, these are the these are the go to characters that would be no surprise to see in a, a live action film. Yeah, this could just say, hey, here's a cool photo of New Gods. Um, Duvernay has talked about how big Barda is her favorite superhero, so I wouldn't be surprised to see a big emphasis on her. Um, but I wonder if it's going to if they're going to focus on that relationship or maybe more of the more of the characters a broader approach to it. I don't know, uh, but definitely a movie I I really want to see, and I hope we get hopefully we get more details soon. I mean, I don't know. yeah, and this is just a nice little reminder that this is even something that's really happening in our lifetimes. Yeah, it really just tells us it's on her mind. Yeah. Uh, next up, there are some novel tie-ins for the Shazam film from HarperCollins, which includes the junior novel and then Shazam Freddy's Guide to Superheroing. That sounds really cool. Uh, Freddy's Guide to Superheroing. Yeah, uh, these are cool. I like tie-in novels and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, Freddy's Guide to Superheroing, as he's going to teach you how to be a superhero. I think that sounds pretty cool. Yeah, and they, they do these for a lot of movies. Like, there's an Aquaman one as well, and Arthur's Guide to Atlantis. These are just fun little books, especially if you if you have a kid, if you are a child, maybe, I don't know, and you're listening to this and you like the movie, there's more stuff, more content you can get into. Yeah, there's also really young ones, too. Uh, Shazam, coming, Shazam, these are like I-can-read books that teach mm-hmm. you how to read, um, but cool to see tie-in marketing start to happen. So we talked about the double feature for The Death of Superman and The Reign of Reign of the Superman. The animated movies are coming to Fathom Events January 13th and 14th in the US, but there are also going to be other features. The UK and Canada are also going to have limited screenings on those days. So if you're interested in checking that out in those places, you can can check that out. Cineplex in Canada and it looks like several locations on in the UK throughout the country, so you just have to check your local theaters or whatever if you want to find that out yeah and these fathom events are are pretty fun i would definitely rec if you haven't been to one of these i would recommend going to one and this is definitely a cool one to start with because uh you know death of superman's really good and i'm assuming reign of superman's going to be pretty good as well so these would be cool to see in theaters yeah they did release a double feature trailer too fathom events did uh which is part death of the death of superman and part reign of the superman Uh, mostly mostly stuff we have seen but you can check that out as well uh, moving on to some TV news, uh, the final season of Gotham is coming soon, and they've released a movie trailer for it. Uh, it's got a mix of some old and some new footage, lots of people getting stabbed, lots of people having guns <laughs> pointed at them, people going crazy and stuff, you know, what you expect from Gotham, but it it really is like kind of played up as a movie theater, even has like the kind of opening that you see This is approved for audiences who want the dark knight um so it's four plus minutes a lot of stuff to see a lot of setting up of you know the dark knight's coming batman's coming yeah uh i was i I forgot about that opening part i was wondering what made this a movie trailer other than than that i guess movie style uh i don't see many four plus minute movie trailers but they do happen but gotham's coming this week yeah there's a lot of good things here again so many characters so many bat characters and and gotham villains and everything so that debuts this week and yeah, a lot to look forward to as we get to the end of Gotham. And elsewhere, elsewhere in TV news, we've got our first look at DC Universe's Doom Patrol series from Entertainment Weekly. Uh, there's a teaser, which is just that's pretty fun, and again setting the tone for this this Caesar, this uh, series of them like getting a group photo taken, and you get to hear each of their their thoughts. I re- I really like Negative Men. Negative Man, are we smiling? Not smiling. That's pretty funny. Yeah, I, this is just a fun little thing, a fun little teaser. Uh, we get to see everyone 
kind of in action, I guess, moving and talking, uh, setting the tone, yeah, for for this series. I'm definitely looking forward to this. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and the the couple new faces or you know, Crazy Jane, we haven't seen a lot from, and we don't see a lot from this either. Um, they also released some posters of the different characters, and Crazy Jane's is, again, the one that I'm most interested in just because she's such a unique character, and we haven't had a lot of from her, uh, but in the background, we kind of see some of her different personalities and it all splitting apart, but all of these posters are pretty cool. They're all a different style, and they kind of match the character and maybe the time period that they're from, um, so I like these a lot. Yeah, I like how they they tell you a little bit about the character's background in the poster. I really like these. These are well done. A lot of time and effort was put into them. Uh, we get to see Robot Man. We get to see Brendan Fraser as a as a race car driver, and we get to see Elasta Woman as or, uh, an actress poster, things like that, an old timey actress, and, and things like that. We also get t- Timothy Dalton as the chief, and yeah, I, I think it looks cool. I think these all look cool, and it's good seeing a, a good look at them. Uh, what do you think about? Joyvin Wade as Cyborg. We don't get to see much of him. What would you think of his, what little of his look we did get to see? I mean, it looks, it looks pretty decent. The, it looks like they might go somewhat the Smallville route. He's got a, he's got a good length sweatshirt over top of all of his expensive to create effects. Um, but it, it looks good and his headgear looks pretty good. So I, I'm still excited. I love Cyborg as a character. So I'm not too concerned about the actual special effects side of it. I understand budgets and everything. So, but what we've seen looks pretty good. Yeah. And it, I believe this is, if we remember right, we've, this is mostly going to be a practical suit. So yeah. we still don't get a full on look at it. We get to see a bit of his, of his chest, I guess is a bit of his hand and a bit of his face. I think it looks fine for what we've seen so far. I don't think cyborg is, is cyborg is tough to pull off on a, a TV or streaming service budget. And it's because it's, it, it, how does it look? Um, but I think he looks fine. So far, I'm not. I'm not. I don't have a too strong of opinion either way. Uh, I didn't expect Robot Man to be fully practical, and I think he looks great. So uh, hopefully, I feel the same way about Cyborg once we get more of a full review of him. Yeah, me too. Next up, Henry Thomas, who you might know from ET in the. Uh, or actually, one more note. I think uh, I forgot to mention DC Universe is going to have Doom Patrol uh, debut on February 15th. Yeah, so that'll be the next show after. Young Justice Outsiders. Uh, it looks like there will be another week off in between shows again. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, in Stargirl news, Henry Thomas from E.T. and the Haunting of Hill House has been cast as Dr. Midnight in the show. Um, and there's a, a description of the character from Entertainment Weekly that says, also known as the introspective surgeon Dr. Charles McNighter, Dr. Midnight is a brilliant and forward-thinking medical pioneer and a founding member of the JSA. With his trusty Al, he acts as the team's resident doctor and detective. Yeah, another another big time jsa vet again i'm fascinated to see how they're going to fit all of these into the uh, how much they're going to use the jsa members and uh, we know it's going to focus on star girl obviously it's star girl series but how do they fit in are they just mentors or are they still active and fighting but it looks like dr midnight will at least have makes sense be the the resident doctor and detective uh yeah another cool jsa character we get to see more of yeah cool jsa character rounding out the team and again not yeah like you said not a whole lot I'm really certain about this show, about what's going to be happening, what the structure of it's going to be, but it's it's definitely interesting. We also have three members of the Injustice Society cast in Stargirl, according to Deadline. So the Injustice Society is a villain team that fights the JSA. If you think of the JSA as a precursor to the Justice League, the Injustice Society is kind of a precursor to the Injustice League or Legion of Doom or Secret Society of Supervillains, whatever you want to call it. It is a, a villain team-up group. 
and we have Tigress, Sportsmaster, and Dragon King all have been cast. So Joy Asmansky will be playing Tigress, and it's described as protecting and providing for her family. Paula Brooks hunts the world's most dangerous game, humans, as the Tigress. Yeah, and then Neil Hopkins as Sportsmaster. He sees his criminal pursuits as a game to win and his competitors as targets to kill. The only thing more important to crack than the game is his family. And then last up, we also have Nelson Lee as Dragon King, a deadly and mysterious hooded man. This controversial scientist has been experimenting on himself and his victims since the 1940s. So yeah, so not some nice people. These are definitely bad people. Um, So uh, watch out for them. Yeah, uh, not a lot of well-known characters, but they have been around a long time. And Sportsmaster got some play in Young Justice, so he's a little bit well, well, more well-known to people. Uh, The interesting thing there is for Dragon King, they mentioned how he's been experimenting on himself and his victims since the 1940s. So in modern comics, usually the JSA acted in World War II in the 40s. Mm-hmm. And then they're still around in the present day. A lot of them have aged slowly and things like that. So I wonder if they're the Justice Society, most of these are middle-aged actors or younger. So I wonder what they're going to do from them. Is the JSA going to have been active since the the 1940s or are they going to move it up to a more modern context you know maybe they were active in vietnam or active in the 90s or or what i really wonder what they're going to do with that but mentioning dragon king has been active since the 40s i'm i don't know what they're going to do with that yeah it sounds like world war ii again next up we got our first look at china and mclean jennifer who you might know uh is suited up as lightning in black lightning so we've got a good picture of the costume and the, the eye mask and everything and i guess hey looks pretty good i like the i like the lightning bolt details and some of the different pieces it's pretty cool yeah it looks good and it fits with black lightning and thunder what we've what we've seen so far on this show so it's cool we're um yeah i'm excited to see her in action suited up and and take on that role she does also have like a fanny pack and i, I don't know what she's keeping in there maybe some like lightning cubes that she can throw at people oh yeah like around her back yeah <laughs> yeah that's uh that's uh got some utility belts yeah. batman batman kind of has a is essentially a fanny pack it's just designed a little bit differently right so yeah, yeah. Uh, you never know what kind of practical things you're gonna need to carry in your utility belt uh dc universe has announced or kind of announced that they're doing a dc spotlight series so uh, to me this looks like they're going to have it's basically behind the scenes featurette type thing that they might use when there is no new TV series. So this week off, it's pack week, past week, it was a week off between Titans and Young Justice. So they released DC Spotlight Aquaman, and it looks like a cool sort of look at the character with some different creators and stuff. There's Jeff Johns talking about his run. There's James Wan talking about the movie and things like that. So it looks like a a cool. This is essentially like a, a DVD bonus feature type thing behind the scenes. And I think that's cool of DC Universe to do things like that, um, to see that behind the scenes stuff. I, I like that and want to see more of that. Yeah, it's cool to see all the creators that you know that are excited about this character, that love this character, to talk about it. And they'll probably do other characters with other creators. Um, but yeah, this is the the perfect kind of content that I would expect DC Universe to, to put out on their service. Because if you're paying money for DC Universe, you're already probably pretty invested in DC and like DC. So you're probably going to get excited about stuff like this. And I am too. Yeah, absolutely. And we also have details for Detective Comics 1000, the big the big anniversary issue. It is going to come out on March 27th, which is the 80th anniversary of Batman, also the 80th anniversary of Detective Comics 27 where he debuted. Uh Detective Comics 27 Detective Comics actually started before 
action comics. Um, but there was run where action comics weekly was, uh, there. And so it, pa- action comics passed it. But the point here is, uh, yeah. Uh, I wonder if they're, I, w- I didn't know if they would do such a big thing for 1000 or wait for 1027 yeah. for the, for the anniversary of Batman, but it looks like 1000, oh, they'll probably do something big for 1027 as well. Uh, but it looks like cool, similar to action comics, 1000, but this is going to be a little bit longer, 96 pages, 999. They will introduce a new version of the Arkham Knight to DC Comics canon. Arkham Knight was a villain in one of the Arkham games. And uh, a whole bunch of awesome creators. Paul Dini, Denny O'Neill, Neil Adams, Jeff Johns, Peter Tomasi, Tom King, Jim Lee, Scott Snyder, Greg Capullo, and more. So this looks like a pretty cool celebration of Batman and his history on his 80th birthday. Yeah, this will be cool. If it's anything like Action Comics 1000, it's definitely something that you'll want. It's a lot of different artists and uh, writers as well and so it's really cool to see batman or batman superman all the characters you like see that batman drawn a bunch of different ways and just small little snippets of stories um and i think it it brings out some some creativity because a lot of times they they're limited to the number of pages that they can do a story in so they have to tell a story really quickly and so that they come up with some creative ways to do that yeah absolutely so something definitely cool to look forward to in the next few months and last up, a little bit of spoilers for the season finale of Titans. Uh, so if you haven't seen this or, or don't want to be spoiled, turn off now. Uh, but season two of Titans, we talked about how season one was supposed to be 12 episodes and then it magically became 11. Uh, according to TV line and entertainment weekly, who did interviews with showrunner Greg Walker, they wanted to end the season on a cliffhanger and parts of essentially episode 12 is being reworked into being the season two premiere so they're ending on 11 and then 12 is not exactly as it was filmed it is going to be cut and used for parts i think you said cannibalized yeah is the word he used and that is going to be the season two premiere and, and, and start with something big yeah and this is cool and this is this is the kind of things that they can i'm sure they have a lot of creative leeway being on their own service and so if they if they wanted to tell the story this way they wanted it to end on a, a cliffhanger and not give some of those episode 12 parts away um good for them and maybe they're they're changing the story a little bit as they're reworking episode 12 maybe there's some parts in there that they ended up not liking so much i will i will complain just a little bit because i think season 11 is a good episode but poor really poor as a season finale because it does not wrap up anything there's no payoffs for the ending of of season one and so i can't imagine that being really the the place they wanted to leave off i could be wrong it seems like they just if i had a uh if i wanted to do a crazy theory i would say it's almost like they ran out of money and and wanted to do something big save it for later to to do that but there's no evidence to suggest that that's just my personal guess because i don't think it was very satisfying as an ending to season one Uh, and they've done different things in this and different styles and formats and everything for this series but I, I i will say it is a little bit of a letdown to just chop off the season finale get little to no payoff for the season long arcs and now have to wait a long time to get any resolution to to some stuff i think that's a little disappointing i'm all for long-term storytelling and setting things up for the future but i'm pretty disappointed with with how it ended but again a good episode and a lot of good episodes in season one of titans but the finale was uh disappointing from that perspective yeah and i bet if they if they had the time if they had the the resources to do it they they're reworking episode 12 i bet they probably would have wanted to rework episode 11 to make it a, a better actual ending to that season that it just seems like it was a closer to the end uh, kind of decision and so it was already made and they had to they had to put it out yeah so 
a disappointing end, but maybe something more to look forward to in season two of Titans. All right. Well, that is all we have for today. Thanks for listening. If you want to do us a favor as we go into the new year, maybe go to iTunes, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to this show and leave us a review. Uh, we greatly appreciate it. But thanks for listening and uh, have a happy new year.